Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne. And before we get into today's episode, I just have to give a big thank you to Prospect Studios located in Brooklyn, New York. They were kind enough to let us record the podcast in their studio this week, uh, so can't thank them enough. If you're ever in the Brooklyn or New York area and are looking for a rental studio, um, definitely go check out Prospect Studios. Um, I'm going to put the link in the description and uh, to their Instagram. You can go check out their website and uh, learn more about the space. But really great studio that's open to the public for rental. Um, So definitely go check them out. And really excited on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Thea Traff. Thea has worked with clients such as the New York Times, the New Yorker, and the Atlantic. Before becoming a working photographer, Thea spent several years working as a photo editor for both The New Yorker and Time Magazine, where she got to sign and collaborate with some of the best photographers in the world. In this interview, I speak to Thea about her experience working as a photo editor and how it has informed her career working as a photographer. I also speak to Thea about her love of black and white photography, as well as some recent assignment work. I was excited to get a chance to speak with Thea, so I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right, uh, Thea Traff, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me. It's so fun to do this in person. Yeah, my second interview in person since the pandemic, so excited to talk to you. Um, I know looking on your Instagram, I think last week, were you out at uh, Paris Photo? Yes, I was. How was it? Was that your first time going? It was my first time going. I booked a very last minute ticket. There's this new airline called French B that offers discounted flights from the U.S. to France. So I kind of jumped on that. And um, yeah, it was amazing. It, it, the fair was incredible. Um, I thought it was kind of funny how the entire photo community of New York was in, in Paris. And it felt like a little bit like an excuse to just hang with New York people in a different country. That's um, cool. Yeah, it was a good time. What was like the vibe of the, cause I've never been to it. I've, I've heard about it obviously, but like, is it all in like one gallery or like, is there this different stuff going on or what was kind of the. Yeah, it's all in one large space and apparently it's in the, it's in a, I believe the Grand Palais every year, which, but this place the place it's currently in is um a kind of a temporary space but the all of the galleries have um you know their different booths in one grand space and then just off from that are all the book publishers in a slightly smaller space you kind of hop between the two um but yeah it was packed um and yeah just really incredible work and just really neat to see everyone from all the photographers that I've connected with all over the world kind of come together in, in one space. Um, it was really neat. Was was there anything you, that kind of stuck out to you? Like you, you saw while you were out there, any like kind of exhibits or books or something? You know, I'm not going to think of the names. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> so I'll, I'll check they're it out. on my, my phone. <laughs> that, no, that's cool. And I guess it's like, go back, like, where did you grow up originally? Yeah, I grew up um, in Lake Minnetonka, Minnesota. And I, you know, I did a short stint. My dad's job brought us out to Palm Springs, California for um, all of the lower school, but pretty much Minnesota's my my home state. And then um, what brought me to New York was I went to college in upstate New York at a small liberal arts school up there and then came down to 
um, to the city after graduating. That's cool. Actually, I was born in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, right outside. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. No so way. It's funny. I don't really hear the accent in your voice. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you say Minnesota. I've like, tried to squash it. Since I like, hey, I, you really just, I love like, it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, bet, you betcha. You yeah, know? go out in the boat. <laughs> yeah, the boat, get some walleye. <laughs> yeah, walleye on the That's my favorite thing. Anybody, you know, if you get the chance to go to Minnesota, go to the Minnesota State Fair. It's like, yeah, it is my wa- favorite time of year. It's crazy. I'm. Do you ever see the? Um, uh, Bruce Gilden did a whole photo series. Yes. It was, I think it was a couple of summers ago. He went out to the yes. Minnesota State Fair and had those like close up portraits of this like characters. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny. I actually went with a few photo friends this year and I tried to shoot it, but I, I feel like I kind of go for the more serious and emotional now when there's just none of that at the fair. It's all just, you know, very like happy and colorful. And I just realized it wasn't quite my vibe, but I had such a good time nonetheless. Yeah. Like, like growing up in Minnesota, did did you always kind of, where did you have like the, I want to get out of Minnesota and move to like a big city? Or was that kind of, yeah, very much, very, very much. Like I remember I did a, a summer at Parsons when I was 15 and that for a Minnesota girl who hadn't left the state much to do a, a whole summer at Parsons was was really kind of jarring and I remember my roommate smoked and thought that was just so bizarre and <laughs> but it was a yeah, it was a program in digital photography and that it um definitely sparked my my love for the city and knew that I wanted to be back here one day yeah, it is interesting. Like for me, I never lived in a big city. Like I've lived, I live outside of Boston, New York. But like, I guess, what do you feel like you get from living in like a place like New York City? Because because there's obviously so many creatives and so much stuff. Like, mm-hmm. what do you kind of enjoy about living in an environment like this? I think it's a little cliche because it's what everyone says. But I just the energy of the city is what I thrive on. I'm I'm quite introverted, yeah. so I just find that, you know, I have my alone time in my apartment, but then I just am totally energized walking around by all the people and all the things to do. And, you know, I did a a short stint in LA during the pandemic and, um, I, it just, it was, it was lovely in so many ways and I'm so glad I did it, but it just made me realize how, much I missed the energy of New York and how so rare that is and how much it feeds me. Yeah. So to me, yeah, the the biggest thing about living in New York is the energy. Yeah, no, it is cool. I feel like for me, like, I feel like I would have a hard time focusing here because there's so many distractions. It's yeah. like, hey, you can come to this gallery show. We're doing this thing. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I guess it's just a different workflow of like, yeah, like you said, you have your kind of time to focus in your apartment and kind of work on your projects and kind of yeah. figure out what you're going to do pretty much. Yeah. You yeah. just got to find make your own space, I guess. For sure. Um, but yeah, like how do you kind of initially pick up a camera? So my dad was my biggest uh, supporter and um of photography when I was young. I remember as early as maybe fourth or fifth grade, he bought me a camera and, you know, it, we'd go around my my yard and take photos. And um, he was always just very complimentary and supportive and pushing me to apply to contests in lower school. Like I remember I applied to our city hall photo contest and won that of a photo of like a swing in our backyard (laughs) and he always just insisted that I have the latest model of 
whatever new camera was out there and that which (laughs) now looking back I see how unnecessary that is but I think when you have um the support and and confidence backing from a parent I mean that can go so far and and do so much for you so that's a big that was kind of the sole reason why I was shooting when growing up. Because um, was your dad like a photographer, or creative himself, or he just kind of he he loves to shoot, but no, no, he's in he's in finance. Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> so he must be pretty excited to see what you're doing now. Yes, All the cool- yes, yeah. totally thrilled. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Great. So I guess when you kind of first picked up a camera, like what kind of stuff were you photographing, like mostly? You know, I was so because I'm introverted, I really stuck to landscapes <laughs> and just any excuse to not have just to not ask someone to take their photo or not ask a friend for their time. Um, so it was a lot of landscapes in college and um and then when I came to the city in my early twenties, a lot of kind of street photography. And then I worked at the New Yorker as a photo editor from about 2013 to 2018. And then I went to time magazine for two years after that. And I was kind of on the more portraiture beat as a photo editor. And I loved the challenge of reinventing the wheel every week with portraits. And so just as I was producing those shoots and pulling in all of the inspiration and source material for that I then with my own work made a giant 180 to shooting people which I never if you would have asked me 10 years ago I never would have guessed that I'd be shooting people right now yeah that's what I was gonna ask you because you yeah. said you're like an introvert but yeah. when you look at your work it's very like intimate portraits and, yeah and like yeah. do you feel like photography is help you kind of like I guess get out of your shell in terms of being an introvert or is it kind of like a challenge or do you feel like you get better yeah, at it? Oh, it's a major challenge. I still, I think I, it, it definitely helps. Or I guess what I would say is uh, it's a great excuse to, to have an interaction with people. Um, but what I, what I'm really struggling with right now is the reality that most all people, 99% of people are really uncomfortable with having their photo taken. And I really, my favorite thing about photography is, is the um, way in which it allows you to connect with people. And so here I am, I have this amazing excuse to meet amazing people throughout the world but what the nature of of it is something that makes them so wildly uncomfortable and I'm trying to kind of like figure out the best way to approach that and and maybe portraiture isn't for me for that reason like I, I have such a strong desire to shoot more um types of documentary work just to be more of a fly on the wall and and document things in maybe more of an objective way. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm grappling with right now. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's just kind of how much I care about people and the interaction and feeling like I'm, I'm doing something that makes them so uncomfortable. I don't know how you, how you grapple with that in your own work or if that's anything that ever comes to mind. I think, uh, early on, like I felt like I needed to like, really make someone comfortable 
but yeah. then sometimes I feel like you just kind of let people be. Like that's what I was gonna ask yeah. you is like, how do you like? Do you feel like because yeah. there's that like uh, it's kind of like the same thing where you're like uh, with the like uh, this podcast for instance. Like I realized like when you're talking to someone and there's like a little bit of silence, people think you need to like fill the space. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing with the portrait totally thing. It's true. like maybe just being in a, a room with a stranger and you're holding a camera. I feel like you, you feel this need to like have this constant banter, but maybe it's just okay to be quiet For and that let that person be but like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like how do you approach it? Yeah. Because looking at your work, like I said, you, you're having people do these really intimate poses and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like, how do you kind of grapple with like when you can feel you can read the room when someone's kind of like a little uneasy or whatever like how do you kind of yeah. deal with that that feeling in the room so i'm someone that relies so heavily on references um i just have like a folder of about four thousand images of photos and and paintings and sculptures and before every shoot i go through the entire four thousand image folder and and pick out poses and lighting references that I want to use for the shoot and then I print it all yeah I print it all out and then when I have the subject in front of me I'm very much showing them the references and having them pose in similar ways or or come up with a pose that's inspired by by what they're looking at um and in that way I think it takes away some of the uncomfortability and it makes it a little more of a um like an exchange um that yeah, that isn't as quiet. But I think another thing I'm thinking about recently is just maybe I need to, I think I use the the references as such a crutch and I think I need to let the subject and kind of what's happening in front of us um, determine what the photo is going to look like rather than bringing too much in advance to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So. No, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I think uh, I, I, the reference things because it, it can probably help the subject understand it better. Because it's like, it's like, why do you want definitely? Because it's like, wait, you want me to put my hands like definitely. this? But then when they see it, they're like, oh yeah, that kind of it looks kind of interesting. Like, exactly. Where it's like, it's like you want me to do this? <laughs> like, exactly. Uh, but then at the same tokens, it's like the, everyone moves differently and stands differently. Because I'm sure you've had this thing where you're doing a portrait and someone just like. You might not even be actively shooting, but someone will just be like in between shots, like sit down and you're like, oh, that's it. Yes. You know that feeling where it's just like, yeah, you, you, you know, can, you can't even like think about it beforehand. You just have to you guys have to see the interaction live and when you're there and when you're in front of that person. I think that's yeah. that's the magic of photography. Like you can plan as much as you want and it's you you should plan and have like a, a plan of how you want to execute, I guess. But it's like when the day shows up your lighting can go out the window and how you thought you're going to pose yes. can go out the window. Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know. No, for sure. And, uh, in terms of like photography, did you go to school for photography or? So the liberal arts school that I went to had a tiny arts program and I was one of maybe 15 studio art majors and then one of two photo concentrations. <laughs> and it just, um, it was a great school, but art was just not its forte. Um, and so I really struggled with kind of learning photography there and trying to come up with what I was going to shoot because I wasn't, they didn't really teach us to look at the greats. And, and because I was only one of two photo students, um, yeah, that 
that kind of direction just wasn't quite there. So because I wasn't looking at great photography, I did I just felt so lost about what I should shoot. So because were you, did you already have like going into college where you're like, I want to be a photographer or was more like you're so, just kind of. Yeah, I was studying philosophy. I did a philosophy and studio art double major. And as the years went on, I realized how just how much I loved studying art history and and studio art and but I think because I'm so hard on myself matched with that it wasn't an art school I was just like there's no way in hell I would be able to make it as a photographer so upon graduating I kind of tried to brainstorm what ways I could be involved with photography if I wasn't necessarily shooting so I then connected with an alumni from my school, um, Christina Cahill, who was the head of Getty Reportage at the time. And she introduced me to the world of, of photo editing that I, I honestly did not even know what that job was when I was in college. So that then Christina then connected me with Whitney Johnson, who was the director at the time at The New Yorker. And that is kind of what launched my photo editing career. Cause like when you're in college, were there like who were there photographers you're looking at that you were kind of you're inspired by or like who? I think you, only Avedon. Just Avedon. Yeah, I think I think Avedon was truly the only uh, great that I could name. I guess I could see the influence for sure. Like yeah. obviously the black and white stuff, but uh, yeah, that's kind of held. <laughs> what, like when you think about Avedon's work, what, what bodies of work kind of stick out stick out in your mind that you really enjoyed of his? I guess. Oh, all of it. Um, <laughs> I just read uh, the Philip Gafter book, uh, What Le- What Makes a-, a Legend Most, I think is the name of it. And it's a-, a biography that came out on him two years ago. And it's just this whopper, like six, 700 page book, but I highly recommend it. Like I've never. So it's just about Avid- Avidon yeah, pretty much? Yeah, just of his whole life. Um, and yeah, highly recommend it. I just... Um, there's another really cool book that uh, I think it was like his assistant when they were shooting in the American West. They made a book about the experience of working for yeah, him. Yeah. And there's like behind the scenes photos. I'll try to look it up and link it and people can go check it out. But it, that was a kind of a cool because for me, I love the Avedon, uh, the real people like in the American West. The fashion stuff, I this I've never been able to get into fashion work. Maybe I need to dive more into it. But I, for me, it's just the real people, the Avedon stuff, like the yeah. the one. My I love the photo. Uh, I think it's like John Ford, that director with the the eye patch. You know that portrait mm-hmm. of his. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, Avedon definitely. He's a goat. It's the best. Wasn't he? A was, goat. He, was he? Yeah. Was he? Uh, he was he was a staff for New Yorker at one yeah, point. Yeah, he was, and he died on assignment for the New Yorker. I've like heard, worked up until the very last breath. I heard there's a rumor. I don't know if this is true. I've heard it a few times. When he was at the New Yorker, it was like part of his contract that he, no one else was allowed to be his photo could be published larger than his. And Funny, heard, yeah, which I could see that like back in the day. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was really really cool working at the New Yorker, um, and we were the only people I believe that were in possession of this book that um, Avedon's studio made for the New Yorker photo department, and it's it's still in the library there. And it's just this book. It doesn't have any photos, but it lists every single sitting that he'd ever done in his entire life. So when we were doing a profile of someone um, that had passed or or someone 
died, then we can then go reference the book and see if he shot him um, to consider, shot them to consider if we could publish the portrait that he took in the magazine. Um, and I felt working there, I just felt kind of close to him and his work, just given his relationship with the magazine. It was neat. Yeah, definitely a lot of history there. So when you got out of school and, and, and you got to the New Yorker, um, what what was kind of your role there, like when you initially kind of got in there? So I started on the web team um, and I was an assistant digital photo editor. And shortly after I started, the lead digital photo editor left. And so essentially in my first few months, all of the digital photo editor responsibilities fell to me, um, which include included photo booth at the time. And then picking every single photo that appeared on the website. And I was essentially working, I was kind of on call 24 seven working weekends and wasn't given a laptop. So I kind of had to use my own laptop that didn't have Photoshop on it. It was so (laughs) intense and, and such a kind of like being thrown into it and a major learning experience. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. It's like kind of overwhelming going yeah. into a position like that. Like you just kind of get thrown, in, thrown into the mix. Very. And I ignorantly was just so out of touch with the world going to the school that I went to in upstate New York and didn't really read the news that much. It just, and so then being thrown into like the journalism world and just the high intensity. And then at the New Yorker, nonetheless, where the expectations of, you know, perfection are just so high. It, it was very overwhelming. And I would imagine, because like you said, like in college, it was basically this kind of Avedon for you. And, like, yeah, you, and you get thrown. One. Yeah. So when you get, I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but a big part of being a photo editor is really having a knowledge of not only the history of photography, but then also having like a knowledge of like who's actively shooting and who, oh, exactly. who's good at what. So is that kind of like exactly. a, a learning curve in itself of like really trying to do research of like who's out there yep. and whatnot? Major. Thankfully for the website, it was pretty much all wired. Um, research, but then I was able to sit in the same room as the print photo editors and slowly I worked on the web for two years and, and just kind of by osmosis learned who all the major working photographers were at that time through them and seeing all the print assignments. And, um, yeah, so that was a necessary learning experience. Thankfully I didn't get thrown immediately into the print world well, um, the print world is a little more like uh involved or yeah or it just at least um at the new yorker at the time there were no commissions that i can recall for the website it was only commissions for print um and i remember when i was promoted from website to print my dad was like that is so backwards why would you take a promotion in this modern age to go from oh, the website a, to the print edition? Yeah. <laughs> i was like no dad it's so much better i promise it's like where all the cool stuff's happening um yes so so yeah commissions were happening for print and now it's now it's different now the new yorker does commissions for web certainly but because how big was the the photo team when you're working on the print side when you were there yeah it was bigger i think there were three or four print photo editors and then the director and do you remember the first like assignment you got to assign and like kind of collaborate with a photographer yeah i remember it was with i my first um section at the magazine was tables for two the food reviews yeah and it was with lauren lancaster and we did a um 
a shoot of a restaurant and it, you know, it ran a, a quarter of a page in the magazine, but it was so exhilarating. And I did so many, you know, so much research for it. And how can we place this plate next to this plate? And what's the vibe of the restaurant? And just so fun to get an edit from a photographer instead of just working with wire photos. And um, yeah, it was totally, totally exhilarating. Yeah, because I was gonna ask you that, like uh, having like worked with a lot of different photo editors, everyone has like a different approach. Like, were you someone who like tried to give a lot of input to the photographers or did you kind of this like find the person you thought's the right fit and kind of let them do their thing? Like, how do you kind of navigate that balance of like, being a collaboration but i don't know like yeah. how did you kind of approach that aspect of it the i would say i was pretty heavy-handed in giving um in giving reference ideas and direction i remember at the time when whitney was the director we would even for a tables for two shoot we would have a phone call with the photographer prior to it and, and walk through direction and ideas. And That's so rare. Like I, oh, I, I, know, right? I pray for that. Like I honestly <laughs> like, cause I hate the back and forth email thing. I'm like, Oh uh, maybe yeah. it's just cause I'm a talker and like, I can just get down to it and like get a better understanding. This is like a five minute phone call. So like any, anytime I get that opportunity, I'm like, yes, <laughs> totally. It yeah. makes it so much more personable and efficient. And yeah, I really attribute that to Whitney and her direction and, and then when, like, when the um, the magazine would come out the next week, Whitney would write handwritten notes to every photographer and place it in the issue and ship it off wow. to them. And that's, cla that's class right there. I know. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess working there, like, who, who are kind of some of your favorite photographers get to collaborate with? Because, obviously, you guys work with uh, some of the best photographers in the world. Like, yeah. were there any kind of projects or assignments that kind of – uh, you kind of look back on, on like fondly or like kind of proud of. Yeah. Um, let me think of some of my favorites. Um, I think what feels like the most significant project I work on, I worked on, um, was in 2017 with Philip Montgomery and it was the, the look at the opioid epidemic in Ohio. And I, we we shot that over the course of maybe only 10 days and it ended up running as a full portfolio in the magazine and um yeah philip was just on it like worked 24/7 i think came away with bed bugs if my memory serves me correctly like from one <laughs> motel that we put him at um shit and yeah and and just the process of editing that afterwards and and knowing that you're working on something so important that would have such a wide reach was really, really cool. Um, and Pari Dukovic also became a good friend and was just so amazed by, he was the staff photographer at the magazine for a number of years when I worked there and just the effort and thought and talent that he puts into every shoot, um, it was just incredible and really inspiring. Um, yeah, part is amazing. He was, yeah. I, I went to RIT and he was, there, he was there the same time I was oh, there. Oh, nice. And it was funny looking, looking at his portfolio back then. Like he was obviously, he was like a huge Platon fan. Yes. His, his, his college portfolio <laughs> totally. was like, it was like legit, like Platon, like yeah. copies, but they were great. Yeah. And then, then obviously he went on to work for Platon and now, right. he, now he's this like legend of the game. Uh, yeah. But like, I would imagine 
do you feel like getting that experience to work as a photo editor like what do you think you kind of learned most and that you've been able to apply to your own shooting career now because like that's i'm actually jealous of being like a photo editor is cool because uh like you say you've gotten to work and collaborate with the best people whereas like i've just been like pretty much a photographer i assisted but like getting to see how other people run their business kind of and all that kind of stuff i would imagine you probably learned a lot no yes i learned so much and i tell this to people starting out that want to be in the industry like I cannot recommend it more highly that if you want to be a photographer to start at least for a few years as a photo editor um it just sometimes I felt like I was at graduate school for photography at a like incredible program with the amount of exposure I had to other photographers and I think the biggest things were when you're working at a magazine like the New Yorker or time, there's such a a wide array of stories that you're working on, whether it be a still life shoot for a a restaurant or photojournalism, like the opioid piece or, um, a, a Pari studio portrait. Um, you're just working with such different types of photography that you kind of are able to figure out like, how would I shoot that or, or which, which photographer do I love most and how can I, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like just working at a magazine, there's so many different types of pieces. So you're exposed to so many different types of work and photography that it's just an amazing like masterclass and, and in would in you would you go on set photography some, yeah yeah I there was a bit more budget when I was at time to go on set more often and kind of fly to different cover shoots and stuff um, but I think it's yeah it's been just invaluable as a photographer to know how a photo editor thinks whether it's knowing kind of the amount of setups that an editor is looking for the amount of photos that is appropriate to file how to talk to a publicist how to direct the person to um style themselves like knowing that if the person's wearing logos that's not going to fly if they're wearing a hat that's not going to fly one editor in chief i worked under didn't like eyes closed photos so just kind of like all those kind of small preferences that people in the industry have had that I've worked under just kind of knowing that that could be something that the editor I'm working for also prefers or doesn't like and just kind of anticipating their needs in advance makes the whole process much smoother I think and it was do you think maybe it's a tough question but like getting to be around and like work with so many different talented photographers is there like any like common thread you've been able to like see that the reason why they're all successful or is there any like common traits or how they kind of operate? You think that why they're the best at what they do, you think? Say that one more time. Like being that you've had the opportunity to like work so closely, closely with the best Mm -hmm. photographers in the world. Have you been able to like, uh, recognize like a common trait amongst them that you think that 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 makes them great yeah is it like are they all organized or some not or is it they're all incredibly charismatic like the most successful photographers i've worked with are such smart people 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 yeah um 
And then I'll also say just aesthetically, they all reference the greats. Like I think where I see photographers fall short is thinking that they can just make something new and great independent of the history of photography. And I just think that that, at least in the realm of editorial photography, doesn't set you up for success in the same way as the successful photographers I've seen that have referenced the greats and kind of like made their own spin on that, whether it's the greats in photography or the greats in painting or sculpture, like across different media. Yeah. It's like not hopping on a trend. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause like you look at somebody, I don't know why this guy, it popped in my mind right now. Like you look at Seliger, like dude's Mm -hmm. been around forever, but his work's pretty much timeless because it's all about, it's not so much a technical thing when you look at his work it's clean light it's good composition and it's like his relationship with the subject it's not like colored gels and all all these all these different tricks and you look at avidon he's not super timeless yeah it's just timeless it's good like good composition and it's about the people like you you said and it's like uh yeah i don't know i i assisted a lot of photographers and how you kind of mentioned the, the photographers I assisted for years, the ones who were the most successful, they were the best at with people. And it was like the best yep. with people, not only just on set, but just like getting the job, being on the call, like exactly. maintaining those relationships. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if I can learn that skill or you can get better at it or you're just born with that. But I, I definitely recognize that too. And it's like, uh, cause it's like, there's like a presence when they walk in the room. Exactly. I'm like, damn, how do I get that? Exactly. <laughs> and that's precisely what I mean. And sometimes it's a little schmoozy and yeah, people pleasing in a way that just kills me. But I mean, yeah, I think if, I honestly think the best photographers are just like a slight level of narcissism where like if you think you're great, then you're going to be great and push your work on people and then people will believe you're great. And (laughs) I think I think it being super successful requires some of that, honestly. Yeah, you really have to like I guess it's no uh, it's not a sexy way to look at like what you're doing, because when you when you when when you make photography a career you're selling a service or a product at the end of the day Mm -hmm. it is obviously it's more creative than selling insurance or selling another physical product but it is you're selling something so it's like if you don't if you don't fully believe in what you're doing why should anybody else you know yeah exactly you want it like i would imagine because you probably had photographers come into your guys office and show their portfolios and if if someone showed like genuine excitement about their what their work and what they're doing that would probably excite you guys to some extent no and yeah exactly yeah for sure yeah um and i think it just shows you that you can kind of insert them into any type of situation that you would hire them for and and have confidence that they would fare okay or that they would put the subject at ease so yeah it's it's a big part of it and that's another thing i was gonna ask you uh i i'm gonna I get to more of your work but this is no I'm no no this, like, <laughs> like this more <laughs> because you have such an insight of like yeah, totally. what everyone's trying and now you're on the flip side of it trying to get your own assignments and jobs now yeah. so you're on the other side you're on you're on our team now uh <laughs> uh, uh like when you're working on the inside uh in the mags and stuff like what was that process of like picking a photographer? Like how did that kind of, obviously you worked at time and New Yorker, but like yeah. generally like when you, when the assignment pops up, like what does that process look like for you as a photo editor? 
So this is my least favorite part of the process. I just find it to be so drawn out and not fun. I just think it's the least fun part. Um, and I guess the reason is because, um, well, so to answer your question, I would get a draft of an article or I would talk with the writer about what they're planning to report or what their impression of the subject is or what the tone of their piece is going to be. And then with that in mind, I kind of, I've got a, a full spreadsheet of where photographers are all over the world and kind of think like what type of tone, what tone of the photographer is going to fit this subject or this piece best. Um, and from there I'd put together a list of like three or four photographers. And then the process typically the magazines, at least that I worked at is you send that to the director of photography and then you kind of have a phone call to talk through that. And, um, and then inevitably the photo director kind of has a different take on it. And then you kind of decide on someone and you reach out, but they're unavailable. And so it's just like, you just feel like you're constantly trying to move this thing forward and get to the fun part of, of the creative direction and production and everything. And I just, for some reason, yeah, just the process of each shoot of putting together for the photographer list would cause me to procrastinate and delay. And I just <laughs> dreaded it. I don't know why. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And then like, in terms of like photographers reaching out to, to you guys when you're working there, mm -hmm. like what was like the best approach? Did, did any, would you look at people's email promos, the work they're sending yeah. you? Yeah. I kind of like email promos because it takes off the pressure of replying sometimes when you get so many. Yep. But um, of course, welcomed photographers reaching out directly. What I what really bothered me was when a photographer would say like, "Hey, nice to meet you. Here's a link to my work. Check it out." And then I'd be busy and wouldn't have a chance to reply yet. And then they would check in like four days later, being like, "Hi, just making sure Whoa. you saw the below like question mark." <laughs> It's like, oh my God. And it was just, just such a turnoff. I like would never reply to the person. Yeah. But I think it's a personal thing. I think other people welcome the, the, um, this following up, following yeah, up. the follow up. And I, I think, yeah, I can't imagine doing it that way. I think it, it, it probably took me a while to learn. It's like, if you really want to do this as a career, you have to have an insane amount of patience. Totally. It is. totally. However slow you think this is going to take you to do what you're doing. It's Add gonna, on 10 years. Yeah, for, for real. <laughs> like I'm just year 15 and I'll say finally being able to like make like a living like and stuff like that, not having to work shitty jobs. And mm -hmm. it's like, it took that long and it, it's, it's always a journey, but like, yeah, you have to be patient. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like my approach to emailing photo editors, like if I have new work, I'll email them. And if they don't respond, that's fine. I'll email in a, another few months. Yeah, or something. and it doesn't mean they didn't look at it. Yeah, for, I've got. That's why I tell people I've gotten jobs like that. Like, totally. Like I, because I, I almost. You have to be. I'll just. I have editors. I've been emailing for ten years. And like, I haven't like even gotten a response, but I'm never quitting. Like, yeah, totally. I'm, and I never, I never ever find it annoying to receive one of those. It's just yeah. the like persistent follow up when you've given me no just, time. Just don't be annoying. Yeah, just don't that's be a, annoying. Basically, like, I try to put myself in someone else's shoes. Like, when you get an email, no one wants a long email. No, yeah, no exactly. No one wants 25 emails a week. Like when you get like spam emails from companies and shit, like yeah. it's like put yourself in their shoes and like how you're going to react. And that that's kind of been my approach to it. Yeah. There's that. And then another bothersome thing is when people reach out and they're like, 
hey, Beyonce's new album just came out. I just wanted to like flag that I would love to shoot her. Wait, like, yeah, no, would, duh. People would do that? <laughs> yes. Holy shit. It's just so presumptuous. And and would these be like photographers? You don't have to say names, but like, would that be a photographer yeah. who's like established? And, like, yeah. Shoot- I, oh, yeah. A yeah. whole range of <laughs> yeah. I guess hey, I you know. I guess I guess I don't know. I can't imagine doing that. There's like a certain level of cockiness to do that. But I, I guess what, what's the phrase like if you if uh if you don't ask, you don't get. Or yeah, whatever. and it's kind of full circle. Like that's the kind of attitude that having being successful requires a little bit. Like I I don't think you should go that far. But yeah, if you think that you're the best person to shoot Beyonce <laughs> and you're gonna let it be known, like. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I just want to put it out there. Any photo editors listening, I, if if you if you're shooting Guy Fieri, hit me up. I want to go to Flavor Town. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, and then obviously you uh, you went on to work at Time Magazine. Like yes. one of my, I've had a subscription to that for since I was a kid. Now I have my own. I've had it forever. Just such an iconic magazine. How did that kind of opportunity come about for you? So I. Um had heard there was an opening and met with Catherine Pomerantz, who's just the lovely, incredibly impressive photo director there. And we kind of had lunch and um, discussed the role. And I, I honestly just, I wasn't quite looking to leave the New Yorker yet, but I just jumped on it. I think I, I accept, I accepted or had lunch with her on a Thursday, maybe interviewed Friday, accepted that afternoon and then left the New Yorker like the following week. Wow. Um, and I was just, I was excited to work somewhere where visuals were so, um, so much a part of the magazine. I mean, it very much are a part of the, at the New Yorker, but to be able to work on cover shoots and, and publish five photos from a shoot instead of just one and to have like a little bit more of a budget to, to travel and be on set, um, it was really enticing. Another thing with time magazine, they do obviously amazing photography, but they, they have a lot of really amazing illustrators who would work on covers and stuff as a photo, yeah. as a photo, is that on your guys job too? Like when like, they'd have like cool illustration covers and stuff like that. Or so there's so- a whole arts art department, um, that would commission those, but, um, most all like articles, if I'm remembering this correctly, go kind of through the photo team first. And then if we can't shoot it, um, gets handed to the art department and they, um, come up with their brilliant ways to illustrate something more conceptual or someone that we can't have access to. And was it like a much different culture, like working at Time Magazine versus New Yorker, just in terms of how it operated or? You know, it was pretty, it was, it was kind of similar. I'm trying to think of what the differences were. Um, but like a bigger team at time, it felt like maybe more of a, um, bigger kind of brand. Like I feel like Time Magazine is such a brand. Oh yeah. Um, at the time that I joined, they had been bought by Mark Benioff and, um, we're developing Time Studios, this like film arm and the video team was huge and, um. Yeah, it just felt like more of like a, a brand and a bigger enterprise than than my experience at the New Yorker. Um, but some, you know, similar process, putting together the photographer list, talking with the photo director, and what I really just cherished there was being able to travel, especially um, to travel and and be on set with photographers. And what were some of your like memorable shoots getting to work um, there? My the most memorable one. 
there's two that really stick out. One was um, commissioning Davide Montelioni to fly from from Europe down to Tijuana, where I I went and rented a car from LA, and we drove across the border and stayed in Tijuana for five days, and we we photographed the migrant caravan that was coming up through Mexico, and um, full circle. Jumping back to Avedon, the in the American West was very much the reference point for that shoot, and um, we set up a white backdrop outside of the the camps there, and and just kind of asked people to take their portrait, and um, it was just a really really incredible experience, and and watching Davide work and kind of like gently just um, touching the migrants in a way to make like a a pose slightly more dynamic or just, um, yeah, just, just to have that, um, one-on-one time with everyone and being away from the desk. And this was pre COVID when most of the work was at the cubicle and just was really, really invigorating and inspiring. Um, and then the second was with a second memorable shoot was with Paolo Kadaki of Lizzo in, in Dallas. Uh-huh. And Lizzo is just, you know, larger than life presence. And was that time 100? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't time 100. I think it was, it was person of the year for the entertainer of the year when they started doing that kind of um, branch off of that, um, that issue. And, Lizzo just kind of came in hot, took the interview lying down, drinking Starbucks on the couch, <laughs> and then it was time for hair and makeup, and she just sang. I can't remember what song it was, but she was just singing to herself in the makeup chair, just the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And then um, having her on set and blasting music for an hour and watching Paula work in her incredible ways, it was just, it was really neat. No, that's amazing. Yeah. And another thing I was going to ask, like being a photo editor, like how did you guys approach like hiring in terms of like diversity and like how, what is that conversation like um, in, in terms of a magazine? Because obviously in the last few years there's been a, a, a bigger conversation on that. And like how, how, what was that conversation like internally? Because that's definitely a, a big decision in terms of like how you guys are going to hire people, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean... I only got to experience a few months of that because I left in 2020 when that conversation and dialogue became so much a part of, of the inner workings of the photo department. But um, yeah, I remember 2020 just was kind of became a requirement that if the piece was on something um, race related, it was going to be a photographer of color and um yeah, it just was very much a part of the incentive behind every shoot and making sure we were hyper conscious of that and and doing everything possible to support that those photographers and and kind of find out who the new talent was and um yeah, but it wasn't I left maybe 4 months into that, so it was kind of like my the last few months of my photo editing full time. Yeah, definitely. I know. Um, yeah. Cause then obviously since, uh, the last few years, everything like, uh, some really great new platforms like diversify photo. And I, I have some friends who've been on there and th- that's been an amazing platform for artists and yeah. Get, get diversify. In- yeah. Photo was such a savior for me. I remember that was essentially like my homepage at the time and being able to 
reference photographers there. I'm so glad that that was created. Yeah, because there's so many talented photographers out there. Like, did you ever find, like, as a photo editor, because sometimes there's, like, when you're a photographer out there, it feels like they're only using, they're using the same four guys, the same four yes. It's like, <laughs> did, did you ever even have that feeling as a photo editor? Like, you know, these guys are great, but, like, let's try this person. Or, like, it, 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 but then it's obviously there's a whole debate within your team and everything. Yeah, I kind of saw both sides of that in a very uh jarring way Mm. and i remember like so at time i remember we were constantly using new talent and constantly trying to find someone new to shoot the next piece and it was really cool and exciting and it kind of like lowered the bar in in an amazing way and gave we were giving so many new people shots and seeing how it turned out and i think it just felt very creative and and open-minded and exciting and um but but then at the new yorker like eight years before that i remember we would use so many of the same people but it was so cool to like establish those relationships with the photographers know how they work know that you're really supporting their career and seeing them like trying them out on new stuff to see like trying a portrait photographer out on a still life shoot and seeing if that worked. And like, I think both sides, both ways of approaching uh, kind of have their beautiful quality to it. I, I think it was really cool to use the same photographers and, and yeah, develop that relationship and see their career through. But and you kind of have like a distinct look if you're using the same. Yes, kind of people. exactly. Would that you? was neat too, to feel like uh, I had such a clear vision of what a New Yorker photo was. And I think now it's a bit more um, kind of what does the contemporary editorial photography scene look like rather than what does it look like specific to one magazine? Yeah. No, it's, uh, I think you realize like uh, I try to meet with as many people as I can, like photo editors and stuff and kind of hear how the internals work. Cause it's like every magazine is different. Like some people, like you're saying, use, they kind of have their roster of people to use. Mm-hmm. Some magazines are open. Like, uh, I would urge anybody, uh, if you're a new photographer, Bloomberg business week is an amazing magazine and they are like more open to pitches than like, I think any magazine I know. And they are, they, they're constantly just using like new talent and stuff like that. And it's like, it's kind of understanding like some magazines are like, yeah, like, they're open to pitches some aren't and it's mm-hmm. just kind of everyone operates differently totally yeah yeah and then in terms of like uh when you're working as photo were you shooting your whole your own work the whole time while you're working a full-time job or no so i really i mean a little bit but just with my iphone okay. <laughs> I, but i loved it um whenever i'd you know be on a lunch break or before or after work be shooting a little bit um and then it was only when the pandemic started that I really started to lean into my own work. And when I had more time when I wasn't commuting and I was spending time with my family in Florida and there's so many good subjects down there. And after the workday was over, I'd kind of jump on meeting up with someone and, and was, taking their portrait. Cause was that the dream? Like in the back of your head, you're like, I want to, cause like you're seeing all these photographers right. work. You're like, you're like, I can do this. You like, know, it, my dream was being the director of photography. I'd say up until of a magazine up until 2018. And then I realized I just was so craving being out in the world and having these experiences of all of the shoots that I was producing and 
and doing that creative work that I was setting those photographers up for. Um, so that was kind of what changed. And I think I might still be editing full time if it weren't for the pandemic. It was kind of one of those, you know, at this point, like cliched, like pandemic happens and reconsider your life. And yeah, what they call a little the, more freedom and what they call the the great resignation. Yes, That's like, what they exactly. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what did that look like when you when you when you're when you kind of leave time and now you're kind of taking your work more seriously? Like, how, how do you kind of start building your body of work where you kind of like just kind of putting test shoots together? How do you kind of make yeah. that? So. I think as is the case with any photographer, it started out with shooting a few friends or family members or friends of friends for a month or two. And then I very, um, it was June, 2020. I, I moved to LA and was there for about a year and a half, which I mentioned earlier, but what was so great about being there besides the incredible light, which I just miss so much. And I feel like I can't take a good photo in New York compared to what I could take in LA. But besides the great light, I, through an, a friend who's an actor, um, got an account on LA casting for, for directors and, and actors. And I, I posted on there. Um, and I said, in exchange for an hour of your time, I'll give you free headshots. So I put out this casting call to, to actors in LA and I got so many responses, the widest range of characters you can imagine. And I had a little like, um, space in my in my garage area behind my apartment where I set up a backdrop and it had amazing natural light and so I I tried to do two shoots a week there for for um about the year that I was there and that was invaluable um just to kind of learn it as I was going and figure out how I was going to work with people and how I wanted to shoot and um that's really what helped me start to develop my, my portfolio. Um, and looking at your work now, it looks like you're working primarily in black and white. Has that yeah, kind of always been? I've kind of just always loved black and white. And, and I think I started shooting that way for that reason. It's always just been my preference. I think going back to my, uh, experience of only ever knowing Avedon as a, who a <laughs> photographer were. Um, but I think too, it just, it's such an, much easier way to start figuring out how you're going to shoot because you're just dealing with you know tone and shape and and light instead of trying to figure out color like I'm still so intimidated by color and I'm trying to figure out what I want my color to look like but I find it to be like that incredibly it just feels like a different medium altogether honestly right now that I need to to sort out um then I'll get there with time but yeah, I just I just found black and white to be a much easier starting point. And one thing I was interested because in, now because uh, you're doing you're doing some really cool stuff for the New York Times and like the New Yorker. I think you did some stuff for the Atlantic. Is, is that kind of is that kind of what interests you? This kind of doing editorial or commercial or what? Where do you kind of see yourself? What do you want to be doing? Yeah, I think I it has been my dream to work in journalism. I think ever since. I started at the New Yorker and, and was able to work with those writers and just read what felt like the best writing on the planet. Um, it really sparked my interest in journalism and editorial work. So that is what I, I want to be doing. I think, as I mentioned before, I'm just wondering, the portraiture feels so great, but I'm, I'm kind of wanting to add a little bit more rep uh, 
reportage to my repertoire. It's kind of doing like, like long form <laughs> stories and stuff like yes, that. Yes, I yeah. think I think just because of the approach um, would be so different and um, yeah. And how do you balance? Because I love black and white photography too. Mm-hmm. And, but then there's like this in my mind. Maybe I'm looking at it incorrectly. But there's like this balance of like art and commerce. Because when you look at magazines and even advertising, they don't use a lot of black and white photography. Yeah, that's the thing. So it's like <laughs> if I want to make money, I, I kind of need to. Cause, yeah, cause it, it, which it's stupid. Because I don't. I I there's one magazine. I won't say who it is. I've been shooting for them for 10 years. They've not published one black and white photo ever. Yeah. I, they just, it's like a policy. They just don't do it, which I don't, I don't understand it because I feel like black and white, I, I'm the same way. My first portfolio out of college was all black and white. I shot Hasselblad yeah. medium format. And then somewhere down the line, like I just started shooting color for assignments. Cause that's what they asked for. And then I, I don't know, but like, how do you, how do you kind of battle with that? Like, or do you kind of just shoot the work you want to shoot, put it out there and people like it, like it, or like, how do you kind of navigate that aspect of it? I think there's, from my experience as a photo editor and the work that I've been getting over the past few months, I sense that there's enough of an interest there editorially for it to work out. But exactly as you say, commercially, I think, I don't know any black and white photographer that gets a lot of commercial work and I've very much thought about that if I wanted to be getting commercial work one day like I really need to figure out the color it's out there I mean there was actually a cool campaign uh photographer uh Winnie Ao uh from New York she's a great photographer she shot a whole campaign last year for like I think like MasterCard and it was all in black and white awesome love to hear it yeah it was great and it was like it actually stuck out more because it ended up when you look at a magazine full of all color stuff it's like oh shit this like has a whole different vibe to it so it's like I don't know. I I, I, I say just keep shooting black and white. Just do, <laughs> I don't, so I, that's where I'm at. Like I don't who cares. Just do what, do what you want to do. You know, like uh, yeah. That's my mindset. Um, and I know I was excited to talk to you. You did a recent assignment for the New York Times. You got to photograph actor uh, actress Claire Danes and then Jesse Eisenberg. I was just kind of yeah. curious, like how that came about and like how, how what was kind of your approach with that shoot. Yeah, so it's um, pegged to a show that actually comes out today um, that they're both in called Fleischman is in Trouble. It was based on a book uh, by a New York Times writer. And um, yeah, they asked me to do that. And they asked me the night before um, or day before the shoot uh, needed to take place. And it was at FX offices in the Upper West Side in this small um indoor no daylight studio and I just kind of again decided on the backdrop decided on a bunch of different poses to put them in because shooting perhaps you have experience with this shooting two people is so difficult to do if you want to make an interesting portrait um I just find it to be such an enormous challenge so I think when you're doing that references um are even more essential when you're trying to yeah, pose them in interesting ways that feel innovative and, and speak to um, the story. So I kind of, I had read about the story. I hadn't read the book, but how they used to be married and kind of went through marriage troubles and then she disappears. So I thought I could kind of lean on that and try to make an interesting portrait that spoke to a past relationship and, my favorite one uh, um, from that is the one where she's looking over his shoulder um, 
And I think that was actually a Larry Fink photo that I had referenced oh, of yeah. a ball that he shot. I don't know when, um, but yeah, um, they were both lovely. They were both such brainiacs, like super hyper intelligent. And um, I thought it was funny. Jesse Eisenberg was exactly like his character from the social network. Like he came in, he had biked there. He was sweating. He's like, he was talking a million miles a minute saying, you know, my clothes are in my backpack. Choose what you want. And that was funny. So they were like, were they kind of like engaged with the process? Because like sometimes people are like, it's almost like collaboration. Sometimes people are, it's just like, yeah, it feels like you're just like setting up. Like, yeah, it was a little <laughs> bit of the minionette like setting yeah. up, but, but they were so, so um, willing to do anything. So, and, and very kind. So that's the most. You how how much sometimes. time did you get to shoot? I think between 20 and 30 minutes. Oh, damn. So it was pretty quick. Yeah, it was really quick. And yeah. like, how, uh, like how much input did like the New York Times give you into that? Or did they kind of just let you do your thing? Um, they kind of let me do my thing there. Yeah. And and then the publicist wasn't, the, the publicist that was on set was very laid back. So that felt like a, a win too. Didn't try to chime in and direct me. Were you, were you happy with like what you got? Yeah, I... I'm realizing that I'm I'm such a perfectionist that every shoot I when I when I step away from a shoot and I'm done with it and I put the camera in my bag and I'm in the subway or a cab I'm just like oh that went horribly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and I like can't even like go out to dinner with friends afterwards I'm so just beating myself up why didn't I get that shot why didn't I think to incorporate a table you idiot blah 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 <laughs> so I like and then I like can't sleep or talk to anyone for a few days this is what i'm realizing my process <laughs> and then i have to address the edit so then i finally like put the memory card into the computer and i'm like <laughs> trying to just look at it with one eye like i'm just mortified and then i and then i like you know narrow it down to 15 and i'm like all right, there's actually one or two in here that are half decent. Okay, yeah. All right, they might hire me. <laughs> yeah, man. they might hire me. Okay. <laughs> so I'm realizing now, I think the the angst of the three days following the shoot, I just need to acknowledge that that's just me being extremely hypercritical. And if all that matters is that there's two or three good frames, at least are the places I'm working, two or three good frames in there, and, and that's all you need. So yeah. I'm still figuring out how to like, kind of self-regulate after these shoots yeah it's uh it's hard because like especially with editorial there's a lot of things out of your control like so much you don't have that much time so it's like yeah in a perfect world because i i had a few months where i i didn't even it took me a while to realize it but i kept shooting everything tight because i i I love the project but i realized like I need to like stop. You can always crop in. Just shoot from farther yeah, I need away. To, like, stop doing this. Like, why am I doing this to myself? And uh, but w- w- especially with those quick shoots, it's like I I try to get better at it. But sometimes I don't know if you have this feeling where it's like, all right, it's like, all right, they're here. We're shooting, and that that time goes by so quick, and it's hard to like. You almost have to like. St- take a step back take a breath and like take it in yeah sometimes absolutely it feels it feels like i'm in a sprint like i'll legit be totally. like sweating and i'm like ah. totally <laughs> exactly and it's not even like it goes by so fast and it's not even like i would need two more hours i think the only thing i need is 10 more minutes five of which i should step back go into a different room take a deep breath and say okay let's think about what you have 
And like, what's one more setup that could be like more interesting? And for some reason, it's so hard to think on your feet when you've got someone breathing over your shoulder saying like five more minutes. Well, that's like your references, right? Yeah, exactly. That kind of helps that you can kind of lean on it. It does. It does help for sure. Or even like, for instance, that shoot, I'm always interested in this is like when your subjects come in the studio, are you like, do you kind of talk to them for a while before the shoot? Or is it kind of like as soon as they come in, like, all right, here you go. Like stand over here, shoot. Or like. Cause even this is funny when you sh- we never met before you came in the studio here and I was like, Oh, I should probably chop it up for a minute before we start. So <laughs> I just put you down the gauntlet of like, sit here, here's the mic. And it's yeah. like these human interactions. It's and- the New York way to not have any yeah, like, yeah. downtime before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like, how do you approach that with shoots? Are you, cause I know I, yeah. I learned this from Dan Winters. He, uh, uh, he's like, yeah, I, I talked, he'll talk to people for like, for a while before he even yeah. shoots him maybe but maybe he has more power because he's dan winters but <laughs> right 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 right. i feel like i haven't yet really had the luxury of having time before the shoot yeah the sarah Polly, who i shot for the new yorker um it came out this week shot her about a month ago i she had just published a book and i read the book beforehand and I, I just really like to research the person as much as possible to be able to have that connection with them and and just know what could be interesting to talk about with them prior to the shoot or while you're shooting. And she was having her hair and makeup done. And I just went over and pulled up a chair and, and kind of like just talked with her a bunch. And that to me was the highlight of the whole thing. Um, I feel like we really connected on a lot of things because I read her book and I don't think honestly that it really informed the shoot. I don't think it changed much, but but it, I just, I love this job being able to meet interesting people. And for me, that was the highlight because I felt like we just kind of just talked about really intellectual things for 15 minutes that didn't have to do with what we were shooting, but um, just to pick her brain on stuff. And Yeah, it is, it is the best job because even like I've had uh, plenty of shoots where it's like the photos might not even be the most exciting or whatever. Like they're not my best work or probably won't call my book, but the experience is like insane. Yeah, yeah. And that's like the best. And it's like, you, you get, you get the best of both. Like sometimes you get to make a really creative photo you're excited about, or you get to meet like a cool person and this like have this cool interaction where you, you would never in a million years exactly. meet them, you know, exactly. it, it's the best job. And then in, how, in terms of like, now that you're out there doing assignment work and stuff, like how have you kind of been approaching like marketing your work and finding assignments, I guess? Yeah. So that's what I'm just failing miserably right now. <laughs> you're like talking about Bloomberg Business, business Week. I'm like, oh, maybe I should email Hey, you're doing some pretty cool stuff. Don't, you're, you're doing the New York Times and yeah. you're, you're doing some cool stuff. Thanks. So it's obviously working. Um, yeah, I need to, I, I, I think just my introverted side kind of comes to the forefront when when I think about marketing myself and it just feels so uncomfortable but I just need to do it yeah um and take my own advice of knowing that if I don't get a reply it doesn't mean that they haven't read it they're not interested yeah hey hey, well you have the cheat code you got years of photo editing so (laughs) you can see which emails like you responded well to you and this like exactly kind of copy that format and see how it goes it's true (laughs) Uh, and I guess, uh, I guess going forward, like what's next for you, anything, uh, you're hoping to work on, or we got a couple more months and then it's going to be a new year, but any kind of goals for the future, I guess. Um, you know, in the, the immediate future, I'm going on a cruise with my grandfather in next week. Wow. Where? And in the Caribbean. Okay. (laughs) 
And I'm just going to use that as a time to explore color, not shoot people. I just want to shoot kind of like the happenings around the ship, the the different spots we go to and just like maybe explore landscapes a little bit more again. Or I just want to see what it feels like not to shoot people and just to shoot in a more like loose, maybe more artful way. And I'm thinking about maybe like doing some collage after I get back and I'm just excited to kind of let go of my requirement of, of using references and um, heavily researching people before I shoot them and just kind of like shoot really freely is, is my goal for the next two weeks. Well, that sounds fun. So is yeah. this going to be you and your grandfather? A few other family members, oh, okay, yeah, cool. but right. it's it's his thing, cruises. Oh, wow. See, I've never <laughs> been on a cruise. I feel like I'm not big on boats and stuff, so I don't know. If, yeah. but that, that sounds exciting, though. Yeah. Are you someone, are you, like, comfortable photographing your family? Because I know some people are. I'm like, I'm not. Like, Yeah, I'm, it, I've done it to my brother and my mom and my dad briefly, and, you know, I... I kind of was dreading it beforehand, but once I was doing it, I think they really enjoyed the process. Like I had my mom, I shot my mom last year in Minnesota and it was like 30 degrees out, maybe even colder. And I had her get in the lake, which wasn't yet frozen. So it was like May 5th then? Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, exactly. And I think... Yeah, it made me much more open to the process because I could see like how much they enjoyed the collaboration, I think. Maybe I shouldn't speak for them, but um They're important photos to make and I think it's like yeah. a dying art like uh like I still have those like photo albums where back in the days like you you you're shooting film, like whatever your family photos were you, you'd get the prints made and you'd buy one of those like little like yeah. leather books. And I feel like, I don't know if people do it as much anymore. Maybe they do like Shutterfly and like. Blur. I know. What's that going to look like in 20 years? How, like, are, are we just going to have the dead relative's phone lying no, we're gonna around? Have, and we're, then we're, you we're gonna charge have, it and look at the we're gonna have thing. We're going to have the iCloud and then you're going to be like, fuck, I, I deleted my password or some shit. And you're going <laughs> to yeah, lo- You're not going to Yeah. Um, I don't know why this came, I, 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 one project, I don't know if you're familiar, I'm just going to mention this, everyone should go, I don't know why this popped in my mind, is talking about this, my friend Andrew Hetherington, he did a project with his father, it is one of the ah, best yes. projects yes. ever, he and his father would just go take vacations, like they went to Vegas one time, I think they went to LA, and it's just him and his dad, like, uh, this going on these trips together, and I was just like, man, that 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 those are the most powerful photos you're gonna make. So I'm excited to see what you make out on those cruises with your family and <laughs> stuff. Too. You know, <laughs> me too. But anyways, Thea, it was a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. And for anybody listening, if they want to like check out your work, where should they go? I update my my website pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, website and Instagram. Nice. Well, I uh, appreciate it, and thanks so much. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. So there you have it. That was the Thea Traff interview. Uh, can't thank Thea enough for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's a real pleasure talking to her about her journey with photography and her experience working as a photo editor and all the work she's doing now, um, shooting her own assignment work and photography. Um, really great stuff. Um, definitely go check out Thea's website at theatraff.com, as well as definitely go give her a follow on Instagram at theatraff. Uh, she's always posting really beautiful work up there and different assignments and projects she's working on. Um, so definitely go give her a follow. 
And also, um, just have to give another big thank you to Prospect Studios in Brooklyn, New York. Um, like I said at the beginning, um, if you're ever in the Brooklyn or New York area and are looking for a nice rental studio for your upcoming photo shoot, um, definitely go check out Prospect Studios in Brooklyn, New York. I'm going to put their link in the description. Uh, you can go check them out. And as always, thanks so much for listening. I got some more episodes, episodes coming, um, so stay tuned. And we're always on uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, so definitely go check that out. And uh, thanks so much and take care.